Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and the off-season is here with the trade and free agency period upon us. It is time to analyze the Carlton list, find out where our deficiencies lie and how best to address them in the off-season in order to go one step further and bring home number 17 in 2024. Lockie, however, is away in America at the moment. I assume he's up there searching for the next Matty Korchek. We can only hope that that's what he's doing up there for the baggers. But this week instead, I am joined by a very special guest. He's my go-to list guru, having spent time with the Fremantle list management team. And this was actually when they were acquiring top talent, not just giving it away for pretty much nothing to all the Victorian teams instead. Now, he isn't a Carlton supporter, but don't hold that against him because this allows us in this episode to get an unbiased look at the Carlton list. He's one of my best mates, Mr. Chris Tubbs. Chris, thanks so much for joining me and how are you? Thanks for thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. I'm just <laughs> happy to be here. Um, yeah, and just happy to have a chat, get strapped in. See where 100%. we can uh, go from here. Yeah, and you are a Doggies fan, so I want to put that on the table. But as I said, you know your football definitely better than I do. You're always my go-to for asking everything about Carlton, everything about the AFL. You love your list management stuff. So I thought it was great to bring you on to this. Get a bit of an outside look. See how someone else who isn't just in the Carlton sphere getting all the biased information all overloaded, see what their opinions are on the list. So but there's a lot to cover. I would love to start looking at kind of the strengths and weaknesses of our list, get your overall opinions of the squad. Firstly, I guess when looking and running your eyes over the squad, was there anything that kind of stood out for you positively or negatively? Um, look, it's an interesting one. Like, as you mentioned, I am a Dogs fan by heart, but uh, the lid was well and truly off in this household. Um, I guess looking at the list, um, I think it's easy to, to look at the age demographic and go, look, um, you've only got, I mean, now you've only got uh, two players over 30 um, in mm. Nick and Doc. So pretty well there. You're not too heavy on, um, you know, tying down veterans, but I guess, that's the thing is that you, you look at your, your top end talent and, you know, your key positions in, in Kerno, um, Harry and Weeders are phenomenal. And, you know, the top end talent's really there through the midfield as well with Walsh and Cripps, Chera, Doc. But I just think it's really easy to, to look where um, the lack of mid tiers lie. And, mm. you know, like most of football is like your top end's going to perform, um, but, you know, will your bottom six to eight, hold up against another team's bottom six to eight. And I just wonder with the list that you've got, um, how it does stack up, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Like, um, I feel like you look at the list and you can identify the elite talent off the bat. Um, You know, it's pretty clear cut that Colonel and and Wheats are your cornerstones at either end. Um, But then, you know, you you sort of drop out of the... Elite players, and I just feel like it's it's lacking a little bit. Um, mm. Look, it's one of those ones. Like the the youth mm. is definitely coming through, and you know we've seen that with how um, Ollie, you know, sort of grew before our eyes. Like nineteen games in your in your debut season as a kid that only weighs seventy one kilos that isn't just playing in a Ford pocket is is pretty phenomenal. Um, and you know, Cowan 
um, showed a little bit, and we know that mm. Bins has been growing in the twos. So I think the the youth is there, and, and it will continue to grow. And but uh, yeah, it's it's that sort of early to mid twenties. Like I think Walsh is sort of the the outlier. Um, mm of that group in, in age that contributes something. Um, I think Kemp showed a lot given how his body's treated him, but you look at that and, you know, there's not much else. You haven't got much out of Jack Carroll yet. Um, Motlop's shown a bit. Uh, Durden's shown a bit as well, but, you know, then you sort of jump into your, your Cheras and your Paddy Wells and Tom DeConing, and then, you know, you're already at, at mid-20s players. So I think that's mm. probably the, the little crevice that you're missing. And I, I think... It's worth noting that if you don't address draft now and, and accommodate for that in future, you potentially bottom out and then the players that are meant to be coming into their prime don't exist. And then, you know, you potentially end up with years or, you know, decades of pain as we've seen other clubs fall into the pitfall of. So, um, look, I, I think the talent's definitely there. I think it's just about um, you know, sustaining it, bringing it in. And, you know, you have topped up. Uh, you've been unlucky with Zach Williams doing his knee. Um, and, yeah, I just just look at it sometimes. And it's it's interesting that, you know, you've had some picks potentially not pan out as you've wanted to. And, you know, that's that's drafting in a nutshell. You can be fruitious like your um, 2015 draft where pretty much every pick hits. And then you can have drafts where... You take and lock your Ryan at pick ten, so yeah. Um, no, I definitely agree with you, and I think you you've touched on something that we've of Carlton supporters have talked about quite a lot, and it was probably the big jump in the second half of this year, where that bottom six, the bottom eight, those kind of role players really started to come through, and they came in the form of a few guys we maybe didn't expect as well. You know, Cunningham finally gets fit and, and plays a decent role in the back end, sort of did slow down. Then you have guys like Lockie Fogarty that came in who I don't think any Carlton supporter expected to play a small forward sort of pressure, pinch hitting in the midfield role and all of a sudden wasn't exceptional but did enough to help us win quite a few games. And Matty Cottrell, there was a few of these guys that came through, none of them superstars, definitely an area I think we can all see us improving on. But I agree, the top end seems there. It's these role players that kind of need to take us to the next level. Where are they? That's the really interesting thing. And it's I love that you brought up some of the, the age demographic because I think the list strategy in the past few years definitely has been not going those high-end draft picks, trading them away, bringing in some established talent to top things up. Adam Saad comes in. Then we get Adam Chera in as well. And what's interesting is kind of before that is where I feel this hole in the list currently stands. If you're looking at the 2017 draft, Paddy Dow, pick three, O'Brien, pick 10, both gone, basically. Paddy Dow requesting a trade, most likely 99% won't be at the club. O'Brien's been delisted. Year before that in 2016, guys that should be 25 years old now being starting to get in the peak of their powers. Petreski Seaton, pick six, West Coast delisted. Then you got pick 27, Zach Fisher. He's going to North by the sounds of things now. That's kind of what it feels like the hole is right now. It's why we had to bring in a guy like Chera to kind of replace Dow, and you're losing a little bit of the youth coming through in the, the last couple of seasons. And 
when I'm looking at, I guess, specific kind of list hole, if I'm looking at position, it feels like that mid forward and the leg speed, that burst player with some good ball use is what we're kind of missing. If I can say, if I'm looking at A graders everywhere, it's kind of like we've got the key position players. In defense, we look really solid. Midfield's there for guys winning the football. It just feels like there's that little bit of class missing. And it feels like there's just a Petreski, Seaton, and Zach Fisher hole in this team of what we expected those guys to grow into. It didn't kind of happen. Is, is that kind of if you're looking at a positional point of view, a, a big gap that you see? Or, or what are those list holes as far as positions to bring in? Yeah, look, I mean, um, you can look at it in terms of um, like, a, a, I mean, you know, everyone is looking for a good mid-forward hybrid that's mm. content playing that role and, and not going to... Um, be up in arms about not getting enough mid time. And um, you, you talked about some of the draft misses there. I think, um, you know, you look back to that 2016 draft and you're a bit lucky actually that most of that draft below um, SPS mm. hasn't really, you know, apart from maybe Florent and, and Simkin hasn't really um, kicked on without it being uh, someone that's in a different position. So, you know, obviously Tim English is All-Australian now and um, Todd Marshall's grown from uh, picks 19 and 16 respectively. Mm. But I think if you're looking at the, the players around the same type, you look at Will Brody, who can't get a game at his second club. You go Jack Bowles, who got dumped and then didn't barely play a game and fight a shot at, mm. at Geelong. Florin and Simkin as, as outliers there. And then, you know, a bunch of players that never really kicked on really. So look, surprisingly that draft hasn't, it's, mm. it's, it's burnt everyone to be honest. Um, <laughs> it hasn't really burnt you t- too bad, but um, I guess, yeah, coming back to that is that I think the, the mid forward is, is someone that, that everyone wants. It's the, you know, the player that will sometimes mm. do the things that others won't. Um, look, Elijah Hollands would be unreal, I think. Mm. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on that. Um, and but looking internally, it's like, well, where does the growth come from? Is it, um, you know, is it something that we saw in the finals? Is it uh, Fogarty playing more? Is it um, Corey Dernan getting more game time? Is it Zach Carroll, um, you know, finally coming out and, and adding to the five games that he's played? Um, it's hard to it's hard to pin it. It doesn't look like there's too much on the list mm. that it's going to come from internally. So it probably does have to become external. Um, on terms of everything else with your list, I think goal kicking is a real interesting one. Um, obviously, you've got two common medalists up there, but you know Charlie ends up with 81 for the year. Um, your list, funnily enough, is rated 18th in the comp for average career goals. Um, now, I understand that part of that is because Charlie did have a few years of injury and, and some of the other smaller forge you've got have come from different avenues with how he's coming from a basketball background. I don't know if you know that. Has played <laughs> basketball. Um, but, yeah, and then you look, look at it and you go, well, you know, you've obviously got Harry there. This year, Harry actually rated elite in points. So if he converts better, you know, maybe that, that mm. brings... Um, you know, more offense to the, to the, to mix. But I think looking at it, it's, it's just interesting that, you know, there is a bit of key for depth behind them because, you know, they end up being your two leading goal kickers. Um, but as 
key forwards look outside of that? You know, do you swing Lewis Young forward? Probably not, given it didn't mm. go well with his time at the Dogs. Um, you've got Lemmy. Um, don't recall ever seeing him play in the twos or anything like that. So um, not not a, a huge standout, I guess. And then Hudson O'Keefe is more of a, a ruck developing. Um, so, you know, th- there probably is room there to, to get another mm. um, project forward. And look, ideally, um, you've got JSOS there to, to, to chip in if need be, if if, di- if Charlie or, or Harry did go down. But um, the depth outside of them and, and um, TDK mm. probably isn't there. Um, so I think that's, that's probably something to look at. As I said, uh, I don't know whether that comes with a later pick or if that's something looking at a, a mature age body that can probably come in, given that mm. um, Lemmy and O'Keefe are, are both 18, 19. Um, I guess the need for speed and ball use, Zach Williams coming back in will be hopefully a brand new recruit. Hopefully his knees hold up. Um, and the ruck situation and ruck depth, look, mm. I think you've you've locked in TDK and Pitt. Um, stick with it. Worst case is, I mean, worst case is both go down and you sort of clutch in the strings a little bit. But, you know, Lewis Young has rucked mm. before if he did want to not throw Hudson in, um, in the deep end or Murkov mm. either. But it's one of those things where, like, you'd be, you'd be pretty stiff to have both your rucks out. Um, but, I mean, we don't live in an ideal world. So, mm. you know, what will go wrong will go wrong. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think in terms of in terms of that, uh, and in terms of um, filling gaps as well, um, there's not that many delisted players um, mm-hmm. having a, a little squiz. Um, I know we'll touch on it in a bit, but I think Trent Bianco would be unreal as a as a utility flanker that could maybe slot in. Um, spoke on Sen today or yesterday, saying that. Uh, he would prefer to be on a wing, but happy to be at half-back or half-forward. Was playing half-back in the twos uh, at Collingwood this year and, and, and looked looked all right. Um, I, th- I think the best thing that you can take with mature-age players and delisted free agents is that they're going to take um, take the opportunity and they're probably a bit more moldable than what um, draft picks are because mm. they understand the system and they're not going to pull for, you know, oh, I'm playing out of position. They're just going to be happy to be getting a game. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's sort of, um, you know, where the list holes are at without going too in depth into, um, you know, recruits and what that could look like yet. Mm. Uh, f- from a list change perspective, I think, um, you know, it's, it's interesting who you've lost. Um, you know, you look at it and, and Kerno, um, has been a, a champion of the club and, um, unfortunately, it's it's that age where they start transitioning out, and they probably don't have another preseason in them. And if they do, there's no guarantee that they're even going to get mm. as many games as they had. Like I don't know if the what I'm looking at, yeah, how many the the percentage of games mm. that Kerno was subbed in or subbed out. But 17 games for the year is is phenomenal. But you know, I'm going to say off the bat, at least 10 of those would have been mm. subbed in or subbed out, probably. So you know, it's not indicative of of his actual performance and what he brought to the team on the park, off the park, he would have been phenomenal as a mm. setting training standards and the, the larrikin he is. But um, I guess on top of that, you then, you know, moved down to Plowman, which look, he was great for depth, he was much maligned, but I think what he offered in terms of depth 
um, was probably unmatched. Um, but now that you've managed to have both Marchi and Kempi get their body right, I think it makes sense. Um, you can you can get that depth elsewhere, and um, you know the, the will and, and desire for um, for Lockie probably has waned um, across his career, um, given you know what he's probably had to endure as a as a player mm. off field as well as some of the performances he churned up on field. Um, and then I guess it goes more to to these um, you know draftees that haven't kicked on. Lockie O'Brien with a with a year left to runs, interesting, pretty stiff on him, I'd say. But you look at it, and your wings are locked down now. Um, unfortunately, it ends up being a draft bust. But um, I think Holland's kicks on. He probably doesn't get mm. much of a game unless he's there for injury. And then you've got the two Camparelli boys coming in next year. Uh, fingers crossed. So any wing depth beyond. Uh, sorry, year after the next. Um, but yeah, any wing depth from from next year onwards is virtually gone, I would say. So yeah. it, it makes sense to move him on while you can. Um, yes, it means paying him out. But I mean, I can't imagine Lockie O'Brien being on more than 300, 400K mm. um, at the time that he signed his contract. So it's, you know... Y- y- Sometimes you just have to deal with with the list decisions that you've inherited and and move on. And um, I think, unfortunately, it's just one that you move on from. And same can be said for uh, Sam Philp. Um, Probably ends up being another bust. But um, you were trying to do something and get more players of that demographic in at the time. Hence, you know, trading down and getting Kempi, which... You know, we'll look a masterstroke if he kicks on as he has. Um, so you take the good with the bad. And I guess Honey as well um, could have shown a lot, but he was still a rookie at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. you, you can't hold it um, in too high of a, you know, a mistake or a decision that could have gone better because it's a rookie at the end of the day. You're sort of pulling needles out of haystacks anyway. Um, and then in, in terms of Dow and... and um, Fisher putting the requests in. It's stiff, I think. Uh, Dow's been pretty hard done by, given the, the the other midfielders that you've got that have sort of... I'm not going to say treaded water, but, you know, um, I think you look at, at, at Matt Kennedy, who's been, you know, a champion to, to churn out the career he has with some of the injuries, and given the fact that he was so far behind the eight ball as a, as a what, young kid that was pick 13 mm. to, to GWS back in the day... Um, but I just feel like the what Dow could have maybe accomplished if given a clearer run is maybe potentially more than what Kennedy could churn out on, on a any given day. But um, you live by the decisions that you have and, and you know, clearly Voss and whatnot think that they might be able to get more out of Kennedy and Dow's clearly frustrated. So it happens. Um, same can be said about Fisher. Um mm. Interesting in the sense that he still has two years left on his contract. But, I mean, look, it is what it is. Some people are willing to turn their head for, for more money and, and um, more opportunity. And, you know, he played well across halfback, but if yeah. he wants to be a midfielder, then, you know, that's not going to suffice. Mm-hmm. And, you, yeah, you just, you're stuck with it. But just as an interesting um, 
draft could have been. Uh, Philp could have been Dev Robinson or Jeremy Sharp, mm. trying to look similar positions, similar range to the draft, which is a bit stiff. Um, and Lockie O'Brien could have been Darcy Fogarty, Zach Bailey, Ed Richards, mm. or Oscar Allen. So Zach Bailey's the one that literally you plug him into this team and like I'll, I'll like premiership is looking that kind of way. Like I, I know I'm, I'm obviously always going to have my blue tinted glasses on, but he's literally what I think we are requiring as the biggest kind of list need there. And it's interesting just to go back a little bit. You touched on that sort of forward line. And when I'm looking at this list, doing a bit of a depth chart myself, it feels like every sort of the, the defense is perfect. I think you've got enough variety there. You've got the key tools. If everyone's fit, if Marchbank stays healthy, if Kemp continues to develop like we saw this season, you've then got a guy like Lewis Young who played incredible football last season, sort of regressed quite a lot this year. It was probably similar to kind of what you're maybe used to seeing him at the Dogs where there were little flashes of some nice intercept marking, but just a few deficiencies in his game kind of letting him down. But then you look at our smalls. We've just got Saad, Williams, Newman, Boyd, Chincotta, a Cowan coming through. You can throw Doc back there. It seems like that is so solidified and probably one of the best key parts of our game. I think defensive structures have worked really well for us this season. Midfield, obviously one of the better parts of our game. Ruck feels like that's developing with how De Koning ended up finishing the season. We've tied that kind of down with um, Pitonet signing the, the four-year contract. I don't think there's too much movement on the bigger end of Rucks, whether you get in another developing or an older head there for more depth. Not too much is changing. It's really just that. And obviously, we've got the wings there coming through. Acres, Hollands, Bins, Cottrell, Doherty. There's there's heaps there. It's that forward half that, that just isn't it completely locked down. You've got the two biggest positions you probably need to worry about in Charlie and Harry nailed down. Key forwards are the hardest to find. But apart from that, what's there? Because Jack Martin showed when healthy what he can actually do this season in the back half. And he's so vital for what we need going forward. And then everyone else, there's so much youth about it. You said there's not a lot of career goals. And it just feels like everyone's so young there. Motlop always is, he's not ridiculously young, but inexperienced because of playing basketball, being a bit later to the game. Cunningham hasn't played a great deal of football. Durden, younger, Fogarty in that kind of mold as well. Where is it coming from? Does, do we need all of these guys to progress at the same time? It still feels as if there is maybe a list need for another goal-kicking, small, medium-sized player. But that's probably the strength in it does feel as if there is a bit higher potential from an internal point of view when you're looking at your Motlops and Durdens for that growth. But it's probably that higher half-forward area where you're starting to get a bit more into that midfield what again you're hoping that zach fisher was that maybe is it a jack carroll like you sort of mentioned those kind of players a jackson bins that can evolve into that that seems like that just we don't have the natural progression that seems to make sense and it does seem to look like that's where you're going to have to find someone from another list to bring in yeah, definitely. And and I mean, just to touch back on, on something that you mentioned before as well is that um, 
I think Lewis Young's best season happened to coincide with Weedering's worst season, and it's mm. the the nature of potentially your fullback making your centre half back look a bit better, um, or vice versa. Um, I'm not surprised that they happen to coincide, and that Weeders goes back to his uh, what is it second John Nichols meeting medal winning mm. form, um, and Lewis Young's barely on the park, so. Um, look, it's the nature of the game. Um, but yeah, I think, um, what you mentioned about missing a medium is, is pretty interesting because, you know, um, looking at the side that you put up in the prelim, um, you've only really got Jack Martin there to play Mm. as that medium. And I mean, um, I rate him, but I just don't think... I, I feel like like I think of a, a medium four that would fit in, and I, I'm thinking like a a stockier medium per se. Um, mm. But I do think that if you do happen to get a talented medium, that that's potentially um, JSOS not playing anymore, um, mm. because I feel like that's sort of the the spot that he holds, and I think he's been a, a champion of the club. Um, Especially given the the footholds he's had to to endure to be, um, you know that that surname has a lot of weight. Um, so look, it's it's a it's a catch twenty two. Harry kicks straighter. Mm. That's probably another anywhere from twenty five to thirty goals that you kick this year. I think you lost a few by less than two. You know potentially that's that's the difference. Uh, I think the natural growth of Matt and Motlop will be exponential um mm. like jesse uh, played double the games essentially or close enough to mm. and kick double the goals so that's going to keep kicking on and keep progressing um but yeah it's, it's that that medium that i think would be would be mm. missing i don't know if you get one with your top pick um just looking at it you know i'm sure we'll touch on it but pick 17 slides up a little bit yeah. Talent drops off, though. You're not going to be getting anyone that's an out-and-out star that's probably going to jump into the side as a medium forward and kick a lot of goals. I don't think many draftees have been able to do that outside of maybe Jaden Stephenson playing out of the square for mm. the Pies in, in, in 2017, 2018. Um, so... Yeah, you look internally and it's like, where does it come from? And there's no one really from a forward perspective on the list that's going to jump out of the box unless there's, you know, a position change for someone. Mm. So um, it definitely makes it hard. I mean, you know, maybe Fish could have added more to that and been that mid-forward person that we that we spoke about missing. But I think he hasn't been able to kick on mm. of past. So, so as much as it's frustrating to lose someone in that, in that demographic as a... 24-year-old. Um, mm. <laughs> I think long-term, it's it probably it balances out. Um, mm. And, you know, we spoke about um, Dow and Fisher and, and, you know, what gets them done. Um, and, yeah, I think I think probably a late second for, for Dow. Mm. He's, out, he's out of contract, correct? Or has he got yes, one more year? Dow, yeah, no, we, we tabled him, a, I think it was a one-year or a two-year, and he's decided to go want to go to the Saints, which you could definitely understand. He's just not getting a look in. And we've called for it as Carlton supporters throughout the back end of last year, really the front half of of this season where the midfield didn't seem to be 
being 100% perfect. Nothing was 100% gelling, and it kind of felt as if we were just trying the same thing, and it wasn't working. And so a lot of Carlton supporters are saying, well, you've got a guy in the twos that's playing some incredible football. Do you just see what he can offer? And at stages, when we had some injuries second half of this season, you kind of saw what Paddy Dow can do. You could obviously see his deficiencies. We know He's just unfortunately behind Cripps, Walsh, Chera, Doherty now that he's moved in there, Hewitt, and also it looks like Kennedy as well. Does he want to stay for another year and probably not play football unless there's an injury compared to St. Kilda that are offering him that position after he already stayed last year to fight for his spot? No, he's, he's of course he's going to go and you don't begrudge him for that. And, and Fisher, I think it was quite interesting in that second half when things started to go well and still being a list hole that for sort of half forward position, we chucked into a halfback. That was the move we made. We tried him somewhere else and it worked. I, I thought he did show something there, but again, that position's covered. So you're definitely not looking at him there, but if they obviously rate internally Cunningham, Fogarty, those kind of players above him, then where's he fitting in? And he's surplus to requirements. If they're North offering the four years, you kind of got to take the job security if you're an AFL footballer. You don't know how long you're going to be there if you're already on the outer and he's made it well known he wants to play midfield. He's not getting that with Carlton. North, you're a big chance to do it. He's mates with Griffin Logue. He's got some connections there. Makes sense for those guys to be leaving. But I do still feel we have to kind of replace it. It's probably been my only negative on Nick Austin and the team's moves in recent years is... I feel at stages they leave us a little light in positions that we kind of knew were issues going into the season. If there were injuries, look at Ruck. For years, we've kind of said, well, it's Pittanet and DeConing and what? Now we're throwing Lewis Young and Jasos into the Ruck. I think Silvani's worked okay as a backup, but you don't want to be relying on that as your next rung. And Murkov's he's, he's had the heart issue this season. Doesn't really look like he's really stepping up and going to really develop at this stage. O'Keefe is 18-19. He's going to take a fair few years. I, I worry that we don't have the depth there because you saw throughout this season it was Young and, and Silvani having to ruck in a few games. And then the other kind of depth issue as well, was key forwards. We've obviously got two guns. Apart from that, with McGovern's move into defense, it was deconing down forward. But when Pitnet was injured, he has to ruck. So there wasn't anything. And we kind of never replaced the Levi Casbolt that moved on. And I'm not saying we're desperate for Levi Casbolt, but having an experienced body that if one of Harry or Charlie gets injured, you can throw him in and you're okay, and it, the, you keep the structures and things work. I, I think you need someone like that because Harry Lemmy, he's 18, 19. He's going to take a fair few years to develop. He's not ready to throw in. So I worried a little bit with some of the players exiting in a Paddy Dow and a Zach Fisher. Are we going to make sure we actually replace them leaving because that is probably my only knock on the, the list management team at the moment. They've brought in a lot of good players, but sometimes maybe leaving us a little too thin come the start of the season. I think the I think the mids, um, you don't tend to miss them too much when you lose them. And, and like you're right, that they could play vital roles, but I don't think you're at too much of a loss mm. losing Fisher. It's more so the age demographic, but 
Yeah. Um, and look, Paddy's unfortunate, but it's one of those ones where he kicks mm. on and, and everyone's cheering for him. Um, and it, it, it hasn't worked out. But yeah, I personally, I, I'm. I, you speak for yourself, but I am desperate for Levi Casbolt. I Levi Casbolt plays in this team. I am one happy man. Um, <laughs> Bring back big but, meat. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you know, if I if only I had one of his Gold Coast badges, that would be that would be a, a hard oh, um, It would be great to have one. Who who would know? Clearly, only his wife knows um, his wife what that's like. Twenty five on her scarf, <laughs> clacking them together, buying them all. So I wasn't allowed to buy any. Still, absolutely filthy, as you can tell. It is. I've not moved on from <laughs> missing spot. out on my <laughs> Levi Casbolt badge. But um, um, you did sort of, uh, I guess, talk a little bit about some of the players that can maybe step up internally into some of those roles and. I just wanted to go a little bit deeper into some of those more fringe younger players. Like a Jack Carroll, probably when you lose a Dow and an Ed Kerno in that midfield role, you're probably assuming Jack Carroll takes a bit more of a step. Still a little bit concerned for him in the fact that I know he was when he was drafted, he was, I think he was a December-born baby. So it was almost like getting him a year early in his development. He's obviously still young, can still develop, has shown little glimpses here and there. I probably just haven't seen enough at VFL at the moment. Has had a lot of injury niggles throughout, which is probably that thing that's not going to help your development when you don't get that consistency playing months in a row. Maybe that's the reason he hasn't kicked on as much, at least in just VFL form. But another year, if he can stay healthy, that feels like the natural replacement Jackson Binns is someone I'm very excited to see what he can offer, not to put too much pressure on him. Hasn't played a game of AFL, took out our VFL best and fairest, playing on the wing. I still think that there's some scope for him to play a bit more in that, maybe that cultural role, the wing half forward kind of switching. Because he did play a bit of that in under 18s and he feels a bit more of that attacking style compared to whereas I maybe see Hollands as that last stretch defensive act. I, I feel like Bins is a bit more of that attacking winger. Could he be someone that shifts into more of that role? And the other player I kind of want to get your thoughts on is just where do you kind of see a David Cunningham? The body has been the big issue. When he's played, he offers that silkiness and the cleanliness of being able to pick the ball up in wet conditions where it feels like no one else can. Do you see him as being the missing piece if he's able to stay healthy. I do I do quite like David, um, to be honest. I think it's been unfortunate the run that he's had with his body. Um, you know, there's not many twenty six year olds that have been on a list mm. since they were eighteen and not only have played fifty odd games. Um so he's been pretty unfortunate for the the quality that he is, but um it's a hard one because uh, I don't think I look at Carlton and think that there's a missing piece. It's not, um, you know, one one clear um, piece of the puzzle that would, mm. you know, win you a flag. And if I did have to put it down to something, I'd say it's more a medium forward. Um, so it's, 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 it's interesting the way that you phrase it. I think he could be um, a valuable addition. And once he gets his body in check and, you know, runs more games out, probably does his first full preseason for 
you know, several years now, um, provided his body doesn't break down again. Mm. I think he's going to provide something that you haven't had and haven't had in full flight. Um, Because, you know, most players coming back off injury, they're not playing at 100%. Um, Sure, they'll be they'll be in the best nick that they've been for a long time, but mm. they're not at a hundred percent. So if you can get him close to 90, 95%, mm. you know, that probably opens up something a bit more with your ball use um, coming out the front of stoppage. Um, I guess that's what you probably hope Fisher would become um, mm. if not a pure mid and he never has. Um, so, you know, you're left, you're left wondering and you're left looking a little bit, Um I do have interest in, in Jack and Jack Carroll and, and seeing where he comes through. But once again, I think, as you mentioned, Bins is probably the one that's that's really pushing it out of the twos to come back or to come in um, since he's never played a game. But um, I think Lockie Cowan will be really good. Um, mm. Whether he might also get a bit of wing time as a way to slot him in, I'm not too sure. Um, whether you could have... Uh, and I think it's hard because, you know, Akers and, and Ollie have the capacity to both be... Um, pocket-to-pocket wingers, which is the dream. Um, you know, maybe Cowan builds that tank and Bins build that tank, and that's something that they can be and jump into that mm. rotation. But with Cotterill there, I think that's your that's your wings pretty much tied up. Um, but I guess it's 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 that thing of, you know, if there is a missing piece, how do we? What do we do? How do we get it? Mm. Um, so of incomings we've spoken about the people leaving um the club but of the incomings you know you've potentially got um elijah hollands coming through now um have watched him live and um watched a bit of his his footage before i'm a big fan i think he could be a great fit and the the upside is is endless given that he did injure, I think it was his knee, his ACL that he ruptured mm. as a 17-year-old. Now, most kids that slide down the draft from being injured do take a little bit of time. Um, you know, Kempe is a, is a great example. Um, you can look at both Jake Lever and Ryan Burton, um, and you can look at the, the pitfalls of being a, a top talent that does have to go through, through some injury adversity to get back on the park, um, especially when you're still growing and developing, um, you know, structurally, it's not great for your body, even more so now. Mm. Um, It's an interesting one because he hasn't requested a trade yet. um, And I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't um, request it unless the agent, his player agent gets the assurances that Carlton can get the deal done. So maybe he's tossing up between, maybe be Carlton Hunter if they can get it done given the lack of, of draft capital I can't imagine the AFL would sign off on you trading your first round pick now given that he is 21 I think 2021 um, maybe they would because it is a younger player it's not like you're, you're giving your first round pick for um, an aging player at a, at a flag tilt so maybe um, it could just be your first round pick and then you just take three really rough project picks um, with your later picks um, interesting him as a player, though. I think he could play that that mid forward. He played a lot pure mid um, in Gold Coast twos this year. I thought he was their best player in the grand final. But that being said, mm. I thought he was good without being great. And I just wonder if that's. I hope the best that you get mm. out of Elijah Hollands isn't a twos flag, running their midfield. But it does beg the question if you know if he isn't jumping out of his skin and playing mm. out of his skin at that at that level in a, a very, very stacked side 
what who's to say that he's going to perform at a better level in the AFL. Mm. Um, and you can argue different gift, different coaching and different structures to benefit him a bit more. And, you know, that Gold Coast midfield, a, a young mid is never breaking into that with the names in there. So, you know, maybe he does slot into mm. that Fisher role across, you know, mid-forward. Um, but yeah, I think there's still a bit of water under that bridge. And I think it's probably, if his last name isn't Hollands, it's probably not spoken about <laughs> as much, yeah. um, unfortunately. But fortunately, so... Um, at least you've got the tie there to, to get him down mm. if that's the, the avenue you go down. But it's probably a three a, a free throw at the stumps, to be honest. I think Gold Coast don't need him. Maybe he gets done for a future second. Um, don't know if that hurts you long-term or, or is it potentially converting one of the Dow and Fisher picks mm. um, that you get and sort of on trading, which might also be why there's been a little bit of lack of movement um, of them jumping for it. Um, that's I think that's the very interesting thing probably about Elijah Hollands is obviously with him being the brother of Ollie, it's going to get linked pretty hard. And being a, a Carlton supporter growing up, it's something we love um, on the podcast. It feels like we're starting to just continually try to bring in all the Carlton supporters possible. But it feels as if, at this stage of the list build, where we're at, not having a lot of draft capital to use. We've got picked at this stage 17 as the first rounder, no second or third rounders, two fourth rounders, 69 and 77. And then it's just future picks, which is interesting with the Camper Alley twins, what we want to keep, what we don't want to keep there. I don't know if there's scope to potentially trade out the first round pick if that ends up getting absorbed, we maybe use that to trade more into this year's. I know Nick Austin's spoken about potentially looking to try and trade up if there's an option in this year's draft. Is that two first rounders? Is that just using this year's and next year's to get up higher for one pick? Not too sure. It's going to be interesting what we do in that space now that Nick Austin's kind of flagged that they're at least having discussions around that. But when you're looking at players to bring in, Elijah seems to be a guy that makes sense, someone that is fringe-ish somewhere else, but has ceiling, has potential. It's not as if you're bringing in a role player for the sake of it and there's just no, they're an older player, there's just no ceiling to improve. You're just going, okay, we're just bringing in for a depth play. I don't feel like that's the right move right now. It's take a free hit with a guy that was highly rated as a junior had the injury, all of a sudden he's taken a few years to develop, maybe hasn't still had that full development. But it's weird that right now, Carlton, for the first time really in my life, we feel very solidified in that if you bring in one of these players, I have faith that we'll be able to finally develop them with the last couple of draft picks we've brought in and seeing how settled things are, leadership seems to be there, culture, all of those are finally flowing for us to kind of capitalize on a guy like Elijah. Do you feel like he has the ball use component that we're looking for? Because going back a little bit to Cunningham, that's probably why internally for Carlton supporters, we love Cunningham as much because he's one of the only really good ball users we seem to have in the team. Does he bring that to the table when being brought into, say, the 22, if you're going to plug him in and, and play him straight away? Yeah, I, I think he would. And I think... Um, Elijah's one of those ones where he'd be getting a game at a, or, you know, closer to 
at a lot of other clubs. So he, he played nine for the year. Not sure, once again, how many of them are mm. subbed in, subbed out games. But, you know, he's got Sam Flanders above him. He's fighting for a spot with Alex Davies. Um, mm. And then, you know, some of these other really talented um, Gold Coast players um, that are either slightly above him in terms of age and maybe closer to their prime or better positioned or kids that are younger than him, like Bailey Humphrey, that have just come in and they're just certified guns. So I think it, it does bode well if he does put in a request. Once again, a lot of water to go onto the bridge. I think he'd be a great fit. Um, I think he played a bit more inside at VFL level. So obviously at AFL level, it's a bit faster. He'd be playing more half forward mid um, so it's another one where sometimes, um, the form and the position that they're playing in the twos doesn't replicate what they're going to be doing day in, day out at AFL level, which makes it harder to, um, really line up and see where, mm. where it, um, you know, how well he would be acclimatized. But once again, different system, um, think it could really suit him. And once again, if it, if it does happen, it's potentially a free hit. Um, especially mm. if you manage to convert one of the second rounders or third rounders that you get mm. uh, for Dow or Fisher, given that your draft hand's already pretty compromised, it's it's not like you're having to, um, you know, do anything more creative. Mm. No, I think 100%. And really, there hasn't been a lot of players linked to Carlton, which is maybe somewhat interesting. I know we've touched on that it doesn't necessarily seem as if we need the big fish this year. We need that big player to come in and change things. Feels like a lot of that is settled and it's that building that lower rung of Carlton at the moment, those role players. But probably the only other player that has kind of been linked that hasn't already committed elsewhere is someone that you will know quite a lot about in Hayden Crozier. What do you make of him as a footballer? You've seen a lot of it. Do you think he suits our needs? What are your kind of opinions on on that link? I'm a big fan of Hayden, actually. It's a bit sad to, to see that we haven't offered him um, a contract that I know of thus far. Um, look, he, he'll give you a great depth option as a medium interceptor flies really well, reads it really well for the air, plays probably a little bit taller than what you would expect. Mm. Um, it can be a good rebounder and, and provide a lot of drive off halfback, not as much of a lockdown. Um, so I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of insurance um, for your back half, given that it seems, um, you know, looking at, at your list and it'd be a slightly older option, but none of them seem to be you know, either your, your rebounders or your taller intercepting rebounders. So, you know, Kemp, Marchi, um, and Shooter are all pretty injury prone. Um, mm. Now, Crozier hasn't always been fit as a fiddle, but um, it, it's definitely an honest option that I think would, would provide something that uh, maybe a chin cotter doesn't provide, um, given that he's more locked down. So, look, I think it's there's good scope for it. Luckily, he's out of contract, so it can be a delisted free agent um, if the dogs do let it go that far. Or potentially, if mm. he does get delisted and you don't want to pull the pin on it yet, it could be a um, you know an SSP um, further down the track if you're willing to take him on later. Um, 
I know you've Carlton have been one of the, the clubs that have been happy to have train-ons come through and have a couple of them before making a decision. So, you know, even if that's something through pre-season, um, you know, fingers crossed that, that you don't have any injuries and no one goes down, but it does provide mm. um, another mechanism of getting players in. Um, but yeah, funnily enough, not many people that you've been, um, you know, aligned to. So yeah, I, I would have thought, Dersma could have potentially slotted in nicely yeah. given that he probably could play a lot of half-back, half-forward, wing, mid. Um, I did read um, from an interview that he did that he was looking for a lot more mid-time and that's sort of what helped his tap mm-hmm. on the shoulder. Um, so, look, that and the lack of draft capital and not wanting to compromise mm-hmm. next year's picks um, just without knowing what you'll need for the boys isn't great. Um, and I just thought... Bit topical, but Lockie Schultz would be an interesting one. Now he does oh. want to get to Victoria. If Frio play hardball, mm. a new offered with Collingwood, a new offered seventeen. Now it, it does come back to that thing of that it would have to be signed off by the AFL to be trading away your first round pick. Um, he's a bit older, so mm. it probably goes against you from a um, you know thinking what they could do. But if you are potentially going to take the two father sons next year. Um, they might be swayed, but that being said, it's hard for them to gamble on you saying that yeah. you might take two first rounds next year, unfortunately. Um, otherwise, <laughs> Melbourne would would have a, a plethora. Um, mm. But yeah, look, I think they're two players that would be nice. It could have been targeted, but I think um, you know their decisions have been well made and I think your draft him mm. makes it hard. So I guess we then look at the other mechanisms and we're looking at uh, players that have been delisted or maybe... Um, you know, players that you could have a train on um, provided that they do Mm. um, nominate for the draft. So I guess I've just drawn up a couple which could fit a couple of needs. So we've got uh, Brodie McLaughlin from Gold Coast. Now came second, uh, sorry, came equal first in the Frosty Miller. Um, Kicked 55 in the VFL, slightly older, 26. Um, Probably helps with that demographic of of your young talls. Um, 193 and 87 kegs, so a good size in the fact that he's probably a bit more mobile given that your two boys are pushing 200 Mm. and they're definitely running on diesel. Um, then you've got uh, Emerson Jecker from from Hawthorne. Mm. Um, boy from the eastern suburbs, 198 centimetres, has played forward and back, hasn't really dominated it at either end, but could be worth having a look at, um, you know, if you are inclined. And then I've just got two flankers, one in Lockie Young, who previously played at the Dogs, went to North for more... Um, more exposure and more games and didn't really kick out. He is also the older brother of Hayden Young, uh, gun from Fremantle that may or may not have been um, the draft year that I was contributing at Fremantle. <laughs> um, Good to see but, he's still there at least. That's a positive. Yes, yeah. Him and, and God, just a, a rising star. We don't name um, Caleb Sarong. <laughs> yeah, I'm still him. salty that um, Frio took him before us because he was still my man that I wanted so much at Carlton. I mean, we probably wouldn't have needed Adam Cherry in the end, but I'm happy we definitely brought Ches um, across. So were those all the, all the sort of names that you had or was there anyone else that you well, were sort of looking at? Because yeah. I definitely just cut you off there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I thought um, I thought Young would be good depth, as I was saying, flanker depth. Uh, I think he's shown he can play at the level. And I think another one could be uh, Riley Bonner from Port Adelaide. Spoke on mm. SEN yesterday or the day before saying that, you know, he's looking, he could play wing, could play halfback. So 
I think that's probably the avenue that you got to go. It's got to be a bit more versatile. And then mm-hmm. just a, a little bit of a smoky. I'm not sure if he will get drafted or not. Um, I've got huge wraps on him. He's uh, from Werribee. His name's Hudson Garoni. He's a big key forward, 195 centimetres, 91 kilos. Very, very good player. Still quite young. Uh, he was born in 2000, so he's only 23. Um, been playing quite well at, at reserve level for a while now. Um, probably a bit stiff not to get drafted this year. Um just gone. So, yeah, I think that could be a look in if you do want someone that's a bit more mature, is going to have a bigger frame on him and he's played against men. Um, I think your other key positions haven't really and you're pretty light on. So, I think that's probably going to be the um, the directive you take personally, um, mm. just given that your draft hand's already compromised unless you can, you know, work a little bit of Nick Austin magic with the picks that you get in for Fisher and Dow. But even then, um, you know, sometimes you just have to mm. to appreciate the position you're in and, and just go go with it and do the best that you can. Mm. Yeah, it seems as if our approach has been over the last few years bringing in a lot of players. Akers has been one, Saad, Williams, Chera. There's been quite a few of these little acquisitions as we've progressed and tried to continue to build this list here. Kind of makes sense that we do take a bit more of that drafting focus for the last little bit. And yeah, Cozy is an interesting one. When we're immediately linked with a defender, it's not the position I definitely was expecting. But I think it does somewhat make sense for a couple of things. Obviously, we touched on that he seems to play a little bit taller as kind of that third tall at times. And knowing Marchbank's injury history... Lewis Young's kind of there as that other key tall depth play. Sam Durden's there as another experienced sort of an older, mature body. Dom McQuay kind of still needing him to develop, hasn't maybe jumped up as much as we're expecting. He's still a bit away from AFL football. But the interesting thing with him that's been brought up is that apparently his training standards and everything off field is elite and something that could be a reason why we're maybe looking to bring him in. If that replaces a bit of the Ed Kerno loss off field, if that's what he's about. And Nick Austin, knowing that he was there at the dogs that he would know him almost better than anyone. So is, is he someone that he wants to kind of bring across that he, he'd know something that we're missing. And one thing that was brought up that I find quite interesting in a Crozier, I don't expect if he comes across to be someone that plays every single week, but with his role and the fact that he's a bit taller, can still rebound and be a halfback attacking wise, but seems to be a bit more of that defender, maybe the plowman replacement. Do you think having someone that is a bit more defensive first potentially allows us to release someone a bit more like an Adam Saad that we maybe struggled at times to really get him rebounding and getting a lot of run with him. It felt like we're making Saad have to defend, be the defensive first kind of defender. Is that an aspect that you see being a positive if a guy like Crozier does come in for the Blues? Oh, 100%. And I think... um you also got to look is that you've lost Plowman and given that Plowman was sort of your, your next cab off the rank, if there was a medium defender that mm. goes down, 
you need to replace that and replacing it with an 18 year old isn't always going to be beneficial especially with the compromised draft hand that you said so yeah. look i think it makes sense I, he also has played ford and been quite good ford he, he did that a number of times at Fremantle. so you know maybe that's another string to his bow that you know maybe you throw him forward and, and it gives you something there yeah. whereas potentially the person that he's placing or plowman, plowman was you know always about two and a half steps behind his mm. opponent so um, might have someone that's a bit more in check, um, <laughs> but look, it's one of those ones. I think I think he could, and, and maybe he does release Sard more. Um, but there's also nothing to then have a defensive forward sit on Sard and make Sard have to defend, mm. and then you're expecting someone like Chinkotta or, or in this case, Crozier, um, be more offensive, and, and maybe mm. it's it's providing someone or getting someone in there. It has the tools to do so. So, you know, you probably wouldn't have expected Plowman to be a really offensive backman, mm. but maybe that's something Crozier has. So you've got more versatility across your backline. Um, mm. But it's 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 a funny one that because you know you can have all these plans in place and it it is interesting because you do have Zach Williams coming back. So yes, um, it probably is there more for depth. Um, you'd think, hmm. but I mean, stranger things, you never know. It's, it's funny. Like all hmm. it takes is, is an injury and you end up with someone like, uh, Leggy Markov over at the pies that, hmm. you know, what could have been and ends up being a, a premiership player. So, um, yeah. And it's interesting in that point, cause I think obviously Ching Cotter comes in and, and he's been best 22 for the second half of the year when we were playing really good football. And he was mm. the story of the guy that came in because of the Williams injury. And then you lose, obviously, the Markov, who was probably going to be that first option there. It, things can definitely happen. I like that he's another one that would potentially go as that delisted free agent. Or if we have to make a trade, it's going to be a, a late pick. We're not giving up a lot mm. if he does come to the club. So it's another one of those free hits, more of a depth play. I'm interested in a few of the names you brought up because I've tried to have a look myself at guys that could potentially come in. And most of them, honestly, like if if I'm looking at every single player that has been linked with a move in the offseason that is either moving, um, has moved, or looks like it's possible, there's not a lot of names that I'm genuinely like annoyed that they haven't come to cup because I just don't think there's a lot of super, super high-end talent, and then also guys that really fit our needs. Like, yeah, I wouldn't scoff at a Liam Henry coming across, but his kind of position, if he wants to play a bit more wing, does that really work with the wingers that we've got? Potentially not. No, not really. Apart from that, um, there's really – there's just not a lot really – you don't you don't like the acquisition of James Harms? You don't you're not a James Harms fan. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> no, James Harms was someone I was actually looking at just like midfield depth, and honestly, not a lot excited me when I had a few names written down. Not that all these would be likely, but I'd written James Harms, Jared Lyons, Jack Billings, and Brandon Parfit. Now, not obviously, I think your your Parfit is now back committed with Geelong and he was wanting to play football. He's not going to play at Carlton. It's it's like the, the Zach Fisher wanting to leave. And I like that you brought up for a few of these players like a Dersma where 
Feels like a lot of players are wanting to move because they want more mid-time. Well, you're not getting that at Carlton because players are leaving because they're not getting mid-time. So our position of strength in negotiations with a lot of these fringe players doesn't really come into play. And Jared Lyons, he's going to be fringe again here. Would he want to move again? I doubt it. Harms is probably a lot more chance to play at the Doggies just because you probably need, as I think we've been messaging, talking about it, you guys needing a bit more of that defensive runner. Feels like we've probably got a, a Hewitt and a Kennedy that can kind of play that role. He's again behind those. I just don't think he's doing it. Billings is that interesting one where he's not flashy. I don't love him, but if you don't have to give up much and he becomes like the Paddy Dow replacement, plays in VFL all year and even if he's fit, and then if you need to, he comes in. It's not the worst play, like your Croziers, like those kind of players where if you're not giving up a lot and he's a depth option for a year or two years while Carroll develops, while another draft D comes through, you could definitely do a lot worse than those players. It just doesn't seem like a lot are available at this stage. I, I think the the main issue that I've got with a bunch of those players that you listed is that they're all majority are inside mids, and that's something that mm. you've got too much of. Yeah. It's the reason why, you know, Paddy Dow, I think it's one of the reasons I think he's unfortunate is that he showed that he has dash and he can burst from stoppage. Mm. Like, you know, we're probably not seeing Bam Bam Kennedy, you know, yeah. come out the come out the stop at anything more <laughs> than 10 Ks an hour. So, um Look, it, like I, I, I personally think Harms might have been versatile enough in a Carlton mm. midfield because he can play a bit of everywhere. But once again, we come back to this thing that your wings are sorted for the next decade, you'd think. So anyone that can play any form yeah. of wing or if that's their preference, it's not happening. Billings is an interesting one. I think he, he could be quite good. Um, I don't know what St. Kilda were thinking back in 2014, but... Um, <laughs> I've got some questionable drafting, that's for certain, over the last few years, yeah. uh, if, you, if you end up looking back to it. Now I've got Sauce to uh, absolutely obliterate their list. He's just trying to bring every ex-Carlton player that he did draft um, or players that he bid on. It's incredible. It's like uh, he's literally got his notes from when he was this manager. He hasn't updated them since. He's looking back going, shit, what was I doing in uh, 2017? I got Paddy Dow. Okay, Lucky O'Brien's available. Let's bring him in as well. Yeah, and he's like, SPS. Oh, that guy guy was great. (laughs) If they pick Um, up SPS, I think I'll cry laughter. That would be incredible. (laughs) I think SPS will be lucky to to play Waffle next year. Um, (laughs) Yeah, look, um, I, I, I think... Yeah, Billings is one that I could actually I could see him um, playing a bit of um, a bit of bit of blues ball, but yeah, I think you're right. There's not that much talent out there. I feel like this um, this current batch of the listings, mm. and maybe it's a it's indicative of um, how strong or how weak some lists are at the minute. Is that it's a lot of just fringe guys. Like I think clubs mm. aren't committing as much time to players they don't think will develop and or maybe that they've tried and they've done you know the extra year or two that they might have previously not bothered um Mm. and just given up so it's it's interesting for the state of the game and i just wonder if if you know hopefully the kids coming up are are good enough i don't know if Mm. it's going to be a shallow or a deep draft outside of the top 30 and some Mm. years that it's it's really strong and you get um you know kids like Mitch Lewis, who was like a pick 60 back after, um, you know, both 
Jordan Lewis and mm. Sam Mitchell left and it ends up working and then you get other drafts where we pull up stumps at 55 and everyone from 45 to mm. 55 ends up being, you know, pretty much recycled two years later. Um, yeah, it might be a, a good year for us to not be trying to get a lot of these guys that are available for trade because they just don't kind of match it. It might be something that we've <clears> kind of lucked into. A couple of the names that you touched on, I think Brody McLaughlin's probably the one that stands out for me. Uh, I said that I think we need that Levi Casbolt-esque player where it's just someone that I, I don't think he's actually played a game of AFL football, but it, I think he's 25, 26. He's got the body to come in, plug in and play. That's fine. There you go. And the fact that he was the leading tied leading goal kicker this season shows that he is obviously capable at at least a lower level where if he's coming in to play under five games or under, if you need him in 2024, you can do a lot worse because you're not, Harry Lemmy still needs to develop and maybe it also helps him in the VFL. It's something that does get overlooked in having a strong VFL team and having some bigger bodies. So, Jack Carroll can develop in midfield because we've got other guys shouldering that load. You've got a bit bigger key forward, so it's not just Harry Lemmy and O'Keefe getting smashed in the forward line. I think someone that I would have loved, I think he was maybe more perfect than Brody, but he's nominated Melbourne and he probably would want, potentially have wanted to play more football, plus we would have had to trade for him, is Tom Fullerton. I love that... He has that kind of ruck capability, which is yep. what I think we need for that that depth play. If we're looking for a a, key, a mature key forward, I think they need to be able to pinch it in the ruck. So we're covering the bases with one player rather than looking for two. But uh, obviously he's going. So maybe Brody is that delisted free agent you can bring in. The other one you mentioned, I'm keen to get a bit more of your thoughts on, is Trent Bianco what do you kind of make around him? Um, and where would you maybe rank him with some of our other players at the moment if you were sort of depth charting him with the likes of – because I'm seeing him being more – so let's say he's playing, having to play that half forward and wing role. Where would you rate him amongst a Cunningham, Fogarty, Cottrell, Bins? I know they're not all the same player, but in that next rung – where does he kind of rate amongst those? Is he above any? Is he below? Keen to get your thoughts on a potential trend. Um, it's it's an interesting one. I, I, I personally would have had him above Lockie O'Brien um, if he were, if he had been on your list this year. Mm. Um, Bins is an interesting one because he is developing and he's just been named VFL Player of the Year for your guys. So um, clearly they're stoked with the development that he has progressed. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a very curious case, um, because obviously Cunningham's body hasn't, um, been great. And while Fogarty was good in the finals, you do wonder whether that's a flash in the pan or whether that's something that will be sustained. So I guess Mm. moving forward, it'll be interesting to see what he puts up in the preseason and, you know, maybe that spot is his to lose now as opposed to something that he's been chasing Mm. down for the better part of, you know, half a season. So um, it is hard to to rank someone, especially someone like Trent, who I think is pretty versatile. Like, does he maybe eat into the games and eat into Cowan's development then? Um, Yeah. It's, it's really hard to gauge at times. And, and you know, there's players that 
um, you know, we sort of spoke about him previously and in a bit of different uh, context, but, you know, James Harms, it's like he wasn't really getting a game at Melbourne, not guaranteed to get a game at the Dogs per se, but is he just a better fit at a different club? Like is Mm. Trent someone that hasn't been respected at Collingwood because their wings have been pretty, pretty decent that they tried him at half back and their half back line, you know, wins him a flag. Like, mm. um, and I've got those mid small kind of forwards there as well. He just doesn't really like, fit in anywhere. Yeah. No. So sometimes you're a victim of circumstance. And I, I would say that's probably the the unlucky path that Trent's been in. Mm. Um, but that being said, there's nothing to say that he couldn't be in 17 other squads and still not get a game. So, yeah. Um, Look, I, I think it would be great. Um, but once again, he could be on a list and still not get a game for you guys. And then a year's mm. time, you go, oh, well, he just took up a list spot for the before we got the Camparelli boys in. Mm. So um, I think there's no harm in mm. giving it a go. But once again, it's, I mean, just looking, I don't know if any of your rookies are going to come off the rookie list. I don't know if Cots will come off or if Chinkotta will get a a proper contract um is it maybe something that you look rookie draft wise um mm. but well that's the tough thing as well because we've all we've got i believe it's hard i wish the afl actually had these proper rookie list and everything up because trying to make sense of how long you're still allowed to be on half these lists how long guys have been what mm. they're actually on they when when we re-sign players they don't actually have in the press release whether we've re-signed them at their rookie contract for another year whether we've put them on the main list it's my biggest bugbear when trying to actually analyze things to get a big makeup cuz as far as i can tell from what they were last year if we've kept them again it's boyd as a cat a same with sam durden chinkotta Hudson O'Keefe and Alex Murkov. I don't know if any of those have moved off. And then Cat B rookies are Dom McQuay. And we've just brought across a couple of Irish fellas who will definitely need a couple of years before they are ready to play because they have not played any AFL football, as in just Aussie rules football, let alone anything at any competitive league. I think Guinness and Stu will be holding up the cup come the end of next season. Why not? Why not? Yeah, we've got a guy called Matt Duffy and Rob Monaghan um, coming through. So who knows what we're going to do with that? Nick Austin's had to get creative because our academy is one of the most horrific areas where pretty much no one ever comes through that area. So whoever decided to pick from there, well done, Carlton. You've nailed it. But I think that's it's kind of the interesting scenario that Nick Austin has at the moment is what are we doing? Are we bringing in... 18-year-olds, or are we looking at a couple of delisted 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds that can come in and we can take a, a flying pick on those few? That's the decision that it feels like is having to be weighed up. And I'm not sure you can necessarily go the wrong way with either looking at our kind of list needs. The only thing is just, yeah, looking at the age of some of our players, I had a note here, which I'm just going to absolutely stumble through to try and find here on what spreadsheet I had it written down. But when I'm looking at the sort of 18 to 23, the next crop ready to burst through, they're all incredibly young. There's no one really on the cusp, which is what you sort of touched on at the start. It's Cottrell Walsh at 23, Kemp's 22, Aquay Carol Durden, 21, 
And then you got, yeah, Motlop at 20 and then all the draftees from last year who some of those potentially seem like they have the highest ceiling. So we're kind of mm. missing a little bit there, but that's where we chose to bring in a Chera, Saad, those kind of players instead. So I guess asking you a bit about the list strategy and us wanting to focus a bit more on the draft than bring in established talents. Obviously, teams like Collingwood's the big example. Last year, they needed a bit of key forward. They needed a small forward, went out there, got it. Teams like Sydney, teams like Port that made finals, looking to strengthen, targeting quite a lot of ready-made players. Do you think that we're missing out by not doing the same and going that youth approach? Do you think that there's any risk of us falling behind? Where are you kind of looking at it, looking at this Carlton list, saying if we're to continue our rise, what's the best strategy at this moment? I think it's, it's, you know, we've just sort of touched on it is that you've got to be bringing in that talent that's early to mid, like early 20s, um, mm-hmm. you know. So just having a look through your your 24-year-olds, the 20-year-olds, you've got um, most of these players you haven't drafted, which is probably a... Um, <laughs> we can pin that down to one Silvani. Um, but, you know, you've got Fish who's leaving, Jordan Boyd who's come through um, in a mid-season mechanism, been unreal. Lewis Young through trade, Fogarty through trade, uh, Teddy K ends up being a, a great pick. Uh, Lockie O'Brien, not so much. Chera through trade, Dow that you're losing. Murkov is a, you know, a big-bodied older Ruckman. Uh, Cottrell through an SSP. Walshy and, and Kemp have been uh, two standouts at, at 21 and 22. And then you go Philp, who's no longer on the list. Honey, that's no, no longer on the list. Um, Durnden hasn't really... He's shown a bit, um, but I think he's one of those players that you watch him and you're always just hoping for more. Mm. Um, Equay, who, you know, is a, is a long-term project and, and and that's fine, but once again comes through a zoning, um, you know, mechanism. And then Jack Carroll, who is a midfielder that can't get through just yet at, at 20 years of age. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I think that's what you're missing. So, you know, maybe it goes back to that conversation that we're having and maybe it is getting a Trent Bianco, who I think is... 21, 22 in and, and sort of fits in that. Mm. Maybe it's looking forward a bit more and, and maybe it's it's getting a, you you might hate me or love me for this, but getting a Jack Kinnaman in if Schiltz comes in and, and getting mm. someone that's, um, you know, in that age demographic and has shown that they can play league football. So um, mm. I guess, yeah, speaking of the current strategy, I guess is that... Um, I think you continue building your list how you are because you do risk bottoming out if you don't. Mm. Um, I mean, if you go on a win now mode and you don't succeed, do you end up in the same holding pattern that you've spent yeah. the better part of a decade or two trying to get out of? <laughs> trying so, to get out. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't, um, you know, busy brown paper bag our way out of this one if, if, if it does. Wish we out. could. I wish we could. Bring back the old days where we just bring in the best talent from South Australia and it doesn't matter. We win more flags. Um, but I, I, I guess you do have to be realistic about where your best players are at. Um, Doc's turning 30, um, Crips, you maybe get another two or three years out of prime Crips and then he will Mm. have to play less mid. I mean, bright side is Patrick Crips will not lose his speed. Um, (laughs) but yeah, you know, like you're in this thing where it's probably Mm. not, win now 
set you probably another year or two of going, all right, we've got Prime Charlie, Prime Crips, and, you know, Doc's still mm. playing as good as he has. I mean, as much as his body has let let him down at times, at least the rest of him isn't as weathered as someone that is 30. Um, and that's sometimes how you can look at these players that, um, like, they might have experienced adversity. So, you know, Mitch McGovern comes into the game a bit later, has yeah. missed a bit of time with his hamstrings, but, you know, the rest of his body should be in pretty good nick that he's not going to have too much, I mean, so, apart from soft tissues, potentially go wrong. So, um I think that's that's how you have to look at it. And, and I guess, look, there is a fair point that you make about Collingwood bringing in ready-made talent. Um, and I think that it's off the back of them drafting really well. Like, mm. all the staples of that team, they've drafted both the Dacos boys, obviously through father-son, same as Darcy Moore. Um, but mm. they've just nailed some of their top picks. Um, and, you know, They've been lucky, I guess. You know, Dugowie ends up being a great pick where they take him. They've had a couple go wrong, like Nathan Freeman back in the day, um, but it hasn't disadvantaged them too much. So I guess you can take solace in that and look at your list and go, you know what, potentially that mm. SPS and that Lockie O'Brien picks, they don't hurt you as much as what you think they will. Um, and the age group you've managed to cover because you bring in a Chera and Chera sort of offsets mm. Dow, given that they're from the same draft. Um so, yeah, I, I think, and you mentioned a couple of other teams there. I think they're, you're not at risk at falling behind them because they've got more unbalanced list demographics. You look at Port Adelaide and they've got great young stars and aging vets and they've got nothing in the middle. Mm. Like, you have to take solace in, in that. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, you've only got three people over over 30. One of them's retired now, so realistically you've got two. Um, and of including um, Ed, like of the 11 players that are 27 plus, you only drafted Crips and Ed. <laughs> you take Ed out, you've got 10 players, 27 or over, and you've yeah. only drafted one of them in Crips. Like that's... Um, mm. It's such a weird list build. It is. It, it feels like we've been almost playing a bit of catch up throughout this big rebuild where so many of it, the, the draftees haven't come on. So we've had to top back up with guys from some of those years to bring them back in. And I hate talking about Collingwood, but when you're touching on teams that have seemingly drafted well, you can talk about you know Geelong when they were really good. Sydney seemed to always do it. They would also bring these guys in a couple of years after into their AFL system. They've been in the VFL for a few years. And develop him in with a good team, settled, good culture. Feels like we've never had that. They've had to come immediately in, which is maybe why we've burnt a guy like a Paddy Dow, Lockie O'Brien. Development hasn't been there because I've had to play from the start. And now we're seeing a guy like Jackson Binns that we're really wanting to see him play a game because he's dominating in the twos, but he doesn't need to. He doesn't mm. need to play a game in his first season. That kind of makes sense for it to be the first couple of years that we really hammer down in the draft, continue to top up with the, the young developing crop coming through while we've still got it. I do have a couple other questions before we wrap this up that we've kind of touched on, but I want to go slightly deeper in. You talk about probably the lack of over 30s, which I don't think is a bad thing. It's definitely a good thing for the prime of our list. But one mm. thing that's been spoken about for quite a long time with Carlton, not really going to that next step, only just playing finals first time in 10 years, this year has been probably that leadership 
in the moment, on field, knowing what to do in those situations. Do you think that we do potentially lack the guys that have been able to be there and have done it that we need to bring in at all, knowing that the guys who are 30 are Sam Doherty, it's Nick Newman, you got Cripper up there. None of these guys have really tasted the success. Is that something that you need in a list or is that something that can be built kind of the way that we've been forced to do it? I think you've got two finals wins just from this year when people at a certain point didn't expect you to finish in the top 10 or top 12, to be honest. So I think you take what you've got um, and yeah, look, it probably would have been better to do a little bit more or have, you know, um, other additions or, or other, um, other wins. But I think, as much as you do want something on field, I think, um, you know, Voss's finals record speaks for itself. Um, I think Hanson played um, some games for West Coast in finals back in his heyday. Luke Power and Tom Lonigan also come from good pedigree. You have experience around the club. Um, mm. And I think Carlton luckily has more big games than a lot of other clubs do. Imagine a you know a club like a, a St Kilda trying to come out on a big stage. It would be overwhelming compared to what you would experience um, at the G regularly. So um, contextually, I don't think it's it's too bad. And, and realistically, outside of your of your players that have played a lot of games, like Ed was the only one that came into the the season over two hundred games. Um, realistically, you had two other players over 150 inside and Crips. Um, so mm. there'll always be a question mark on on experience and, and whether you've played in big games or not. But I think as a group, you will take solace in the, the two wins that you had, um, you know, coming over the top mm. of, a, of a Melbourne side in straight sets as well. Like a few kicks go your way and, and potentially you're in a grand final with a team that has barely experienced final success or, or mm. finals in general. So I don't think it's a, a contributor. Um, it definitely, it definitely helps. And, you know, maybe that's where some, a little bit of Blake Akers from winning that final against the dogs for Frio mm. and, and little, um, little bits of information you can, you can take and plonk. But I think, the finals are just big games at the end of the day. It's more, it's, it's more tempo and it's more pressure, but mm. you have enough experience in big games with big crowds um, that it, it shouldn't be as overwhelming. But once again, playing in those yeah. versus seeing it from a, a, a supporter's perspective is entirely different. Mm. Um, it'd be nice, but once again, like who are you topping up with? Cause I yeah, don't think you've, exactly. you've got, a spot for someone that's going to have the experience. Um, Cause let's say you pick up a 30 year old. Now the only spot you really play them is mid forward. And there's not really that many 30 yeah. year old or like that jump out of their skin at you. And you're like, Oh my God. Or chuck them down half back, which is like, Oh God, more half back flankers. It feels like that's all we have on the list at some time. So I totally agree. I think that's really well put a really good perspective on it. Um, you sort of said the big thing, if you're looking at position-wise, that you'd love to address is that medium forward. Look, I mm. love Lockie Schultz. He's someone I brought up mid-season, but I thought he was impossible to get because he had that – he'd unlocked the trigger for one more year with Frio. 
But all of a sudden, he's available. I think what does cost us is the value that Fremantle are going to put on his head. We just can't really be putting out another first-round pick unless maybe we use next year's and are able to do something there. But I think Freo are probably wanting – they're going to play hardball for it. They want something higher than a pick 19 from from Collingwood. So good luck with that. Ginovan, is that something? But I I don't know. I think his goals, he's not – pressure but maybe we have enough of those pressure guys where someone like him could flourish because mm. you've got martin motlop always all of these guys fogarty they're known for their tackle pressure you can kind of allow him to not do as much of that defensive work but i don't know if those are all perfect do you have anyone that maybe hasn't isn't probably available isn't hasn't been linked hasn't been anything like that but you see as now or in the next couple of years, someone that you'd be looking to target that they're either fringe. I know this is a big question. It's the it's the hard list manager one. But is there anyone from another list that you would be ringing their manager nonstop until they said yes to you? I'm actually I'm gonna have a jump through the archives, I reckon, while we while we talk through this. Yeah. Um I know we were speaking about it earlier, but it's funny that you mentioned potentially using your future first for someone like um like Lockie, um, because Fremantle would be quite happy to take that pick, I dare say, and use it and put it towards um, trying to get a, a McDonald from Sydney next mm. year when he's out of contract. It definitely has a bit of merit. Look, in terms of a, a midsize, there's no one jumping out at me that I can think of. Um, like, oh, I think most of them, are they're in good positions. It's not there's not anyone that's, I feel like yeah. they're either too fringy that you wouldn't bother um, or they're just mm. not really um, going to be gettable. They're too I good guess. and they're going nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, you know, obviously a bit taller, but like Jaya Miss would be unreal, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Same as Jacob Van Ruin. Like they're pretty set in stone. Um, mm. Kai Lohman would be an interesting one um, given that, he re-signed with Brisbane. If he doesn't get another game again, um, he was a bit unlucky to get dropped in the final mm. series and played prelim for Brisbane in the VFL and took a huge hanger and broke his collarbone on impact landing. Um, but yeah, even just like going through like recent drafts, trying to see if there's anyone you could you could snag and even that, it's sort of clutching at straws a little bit, you know, Berg, um, not Bergman, uh, Michito Owens ends up signing. Like that would yeah. be you know, Unreal is sort of maybe a bit taller, but can uh, actually run out games and, and, you know, yeah, it's just sort of ones that leave you scratching your head a little bit. I think realistically it's, it's Elijah Hollands or bust um, mm. coming in. Yeah, in terms of trade. I just, the only other player I'll throw out as a very rogue potential player who maybe works as a mid forward is the man from Werribee that had an absolute blinder in the VFL Grand Final, Sean Manor, I believe is potentially how you pronounce that last name. Is he someone that you maybe look at as in that Elijah Hollands mold of has a bit more experience at 26 years of age, kicked you know six goals, had 27 disposals in that uh, VFL Grand Final? Would he be someone you'd maybe look to take a flyer at if? He wanted to come to you. Obviously, it's hard with maybe not being able to offer 
the playing time that who knows if a, if a North or one of those teams lower on the ladder mm. offer him something and he goes, yeah, I have more chance of playing here. Uh, is he someone that you'd maybe look at as well as the last name I'll throw at you for this episode? Yeah, potentially. I I, um, I watched that grand final and um, obviously he, he had a, a blinder. Um, but I think throughout the year, he's had a few bags playing across half forward and, and in the middle. And I think it's going to be worth a crack. I think someone has to at this mm. rate. He was probably unlucky and stiff not to get a go last uh, last year. Um, but that's got to have put him on the map. Um, I, I, I can't see him not getting picked up. Um, I'm not sure how many he ended up. Uh, I think he averaged two goals a game um, playing as a half forward, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah. So, look, I think that's probably the the way to go. I think, yeah, average 25 and average two goals a game as mm. a half forward, which is it's pretty on the money. Um, I think it's definitely worthwhile and it's worth looking at. But once again, it comes back to this thing that sometimes it's just it's just who's willing to take a punt. You've seen Richmond, um, you know, Kane Lambert and some of these guys, they took punts on from VFL that, you know, it's rewarded them heavily and then there's mm. ones that you you take and you're left sort of scratching your head because they can't make the jump um i could definitely say that fitting though that's actually that's a good one i rate that <laughs> i'll take it i'll take that one to end the episode um someone telling me that uh my opinion is uh gospel so we'll take that but no chris thanks so much for uh for joining me in this episode it's been an absolute pleasure to run through the list and get a, an opinion and a perspective it isn't someone that is just in the Carlton bubble, in the community, listening to all the opinions. Almost it can sometimes be a bit of an echo chamber. Very happy to hear that. Feels like I'm not an idiot. It feels like we're aligned on a fair bit going through it. And I hope the listeners have, have taken a lot out of this, being able to look at the Carlton list. What are the needs? How do we address them? What are we doing in this trade period that is coming up um but yeah i just wanted to say thank you so much chris for joining me and i'm sure i'm gonna have to have you on a little bit more throughout the uh the list analysis style episodes no it's it's been a pleasure thanks for having me uh, no worries and look where there's going to be more um content throughout the off season may potentially be more trade content. If some deals happen, I'll be here to react to them all, doing a trade period recap and then gearing up towards the draft as well. There's plenty of off-season content, so make sure you, you follow, you subscribe, so you never have to miss an episode because they're not going to be coming out every single Tuesday morning like they did during the season when we had a game to review. They're going to be a bit sporadic, so easiest way to find it is to make sure you subscribe on YouTube or follow wherever you listen to your pods. And links to all the social media as well is in the show notes, so make sure you head over there. It's going to make things a lot easier for you and um, let us know that you guys are listening. But that is going to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.